Welcome back. This is the fourth class in our study of the Rebbe's monumental sicha on the topic of the Tutkufis in the Moisa Mashiach, Simen Gimel and Varmalchus, as part of the global campaign to learn Varmalchus. So today we're going to learn from Sifim Yud through Yud Dalit. So we are, where are we right now? By introduction. We, we've already established a central point of the Rebbe's Sicha, of the Rebbe's Biur in Rambam. The basic question was, how could the Rambam say that when Mashiach comes, the world's going to operate as it always has been, when this seems to be in contradiction to the fact that the Gemara and Teres Karnim say that when Mashiach comes, Ilone Srak, trees that are, as of now, do not bear fruit, will begin to bear fruit. And we cannot simply say that this too is Moshe Vechida, that this too is a parable, a metaphor, as Ramam says with regard to other Nevois, because in the context of the Gemara, it's clear that these things are literal. And then we went even further and said, now, if we were to say, like the shit of the Ramban and Chassidus, that Olam Haba, the world to come, refer to in the Gemara, is a time after Mashiach's coming, but a time in which there is still this physical world and there's still physical bodies. In other words, Olam Hatchia, the world of the resurrection. And that's Pshat Olam Haba, that's Pshat the world to come. And if that's the case, we could take all the miracles and all of the uh, sources that say that there's going to be an actual change in the nature of the world and say that it's referring to Olam Haba, the world to come, not Yemoisa Mashiach. And Yemoisa Mashiach retains the nature of this world and it's all Moshe But considering that the Rambam says Olam Haba is not our world at all. Olam Haba is a world of the Shamas without Kufim, the Shamas without bodies. Then whatever changes to nature of our world that are going to happen, including Ilan Esrak making fruit, tree, uh, bearing fruit, as well as Tchies HaMesim, must therefore happen in the era of Yemaisa Mashiach, because Elam Haba doesn't have the physical element in the Rambam, Rambam's view. Elam Haba is Neshamas Beloigufim. It's a soul without a body. It's not our world at all. So any description that's literal, any miracle that's literal, must be therefore in, in, within Yemaisa Mashiach. And thus the Rebbe says we are compelled, must say, that within Yemaisa Mashiach Gufa there are two Tukufas. This is where we left off. And Yemaisa Mashiach Gufa there's two Tukufas. There's the beginning Tukufa which Mashiach, the person, ushers in an era of world of, of halachic perfection within the physical world, no change in nature. And there's a later tukufa that's still part of the epoch of Yemaisa Mashiach, but isn't yet Olam Haba, the world to come, because in the Rambam's view, Olam Haba is the Shamash Dabgufim without a physical body, without a physical world really at all. So there's a later tukufa within Yemaisa Mashiach in which all these miracles happen, including Tchais HaMais. This is where we left off. Now, before we go further, I want to address two questions, which I think will help us sharpen our understanding of the Chiddush that is doing here. Question number one is, in Sif Tess, the Rebbe asked, you know, the first Shiloh in Sif Aleph, which the Rebbe proposed two possible solutions and then rejected them both, was bearing fruit when Mashiach comes. 
And then Sif Test Rebbe says, to explain that, first we're going to ask another kasha, which is about Tchies and Mason. Is not Tchies and Mason the more obvious question? Why start, if Tchies and Mason is a question, how could the Rambam say nothing's going to change? Look, or is going to be Tchies and Mason? If that's a question, why not ask that one to begin with? That's the more obvious question. Why ask about Ilan Esrak? You know, they're like found one Gemara that implies that there's a literal, or yeah, implies by context that there's a literal miracle of Ilan Esrak. Why not just ask straight from Tchisa Mason? That seems to be more the obvious question. All right, question one. And question two is, what did people think before the Rebbe came around with this beer? What did the Rebbe, what, you know I mean, like, this seems so obvious, no? It's, it's mukrach because it's Tchisa Mason, so you must say that there's another school from which Tchisa Mason is going to happen. What do people think before then? Like, is this not obvious? So I, I think the two questions answer each other. And this will help us understand the Rebbe's Chiddush here. And this gets back to something we mentioned in the first year. It's going to become the Gea later um, as we go along in this, in, in this series. And not in this year, but the next year. It's going to come to Gea again. The issue of Tchis was already answered by the Ramah. Be'etzem. Because in the Ramah's letter, Ger's Tchis which we learned about in our previous shurim, where people uh, accuse the Rambam not believing, not believing in Tchis Mason because he writes that Mashiach doesn't happen in Machayim Mason. There he writes, look, in my Sefer Halachas, I am busy describing the Halachas of what Mashiach has to do. And those who believe in Mashiach and those who accept Mashiach have to know what his Allah requirements are. And his Allah requirements are not to make Tchis Mason. As far as what God's going to do, it's not our business. Tchis Mason is God's business and he will do as he wishes, when he wishes. So what did people think until it ever came around? Very simply. The Rambam is talking about Yemaisa Mashiach and everything that happens there is Masha Lechida. Everything is Masha Lechida, including Lon Israq and whatever. Everything is, is, is Masha Lechida. Like the Radva said on the Ravid's, uh, on the Ravid's uh, question, the Ravid said, How could you say it's nothing literal? It says, The Radva, this is not a question, because it's a, it's a Masha Lechida too. So everything was written off, as it were, as a Masha Lechida in the Rambam's view. I, Tchesa Mason. Hashem will do it when he wants, if he wants, before, not if he wants. Hashem promises he will. Then he'll do it before, he'll do it after, whatever he wants. That's, a, that, that's how people understood the Rabbam until now. Which is why Tchiyas Mesam alone, I don't think, is enough of a question to ask on the Rabbam. Because I'm addressed it in his letter. And it's, it's not a concern here in Hilchus Malachim. Our concern is what Mashiach has to do. And Tchiyas Mesam is what God does. There is a real question and which is compelling the, Rebbe, compelling the Rebbe to say that even the Rambam says that Mashiach will have miracles is because of this one, one um, prophecy in the Gemara, which is implied that it's literal. Because of the context, you must say it means literally. Now, once we're going to say that there's a tkufa in which there's a literal miracle, then you can put Tchies and Mason there too, and you can put the Ravid, there too. Now, what do you gain by putting Tchies HaMesim in that second Kufa. And this, I think, is what the Rebbe is trying to accomplish in, in Sif test that we learned at the end of last year. By, by putting Tchies HaMesim at the end, in a second Kufa in Yemesim Mashiach, what we gain is that all of the Mori Chazal, which um, talk about a certain time frame when Tchies HaMesim is going to happen, now become legit. And as the Rebbe told us in Hara, what was it, the Hara, Zara, where is it? Zara 52. 
talking about the wrong, wrong sicha here. Um, I think it was Arda. I apologize, I opened up to the wrong sicha here. So maybe I have to go a little further. Harder 65 here, where the Rebbe says that when Nigeris HaTchis Mesim says that Hashem is going to make Tchis Mesim happen whenever he wants, the Rebbe says, And that's really what we gained in Oiz Tess. Until the Rebbe came around, we, we, we would have looked at Rambam like this. Look, Hashem will do whatever he wants. Do Tchis Mesim whenever he wants. Either my mother does all that, give it a certain time frame. Okay, maybe it's speculation. Um, you know, like the Rambam writes in his letter there. Uh, and it, what we're saying is not a hechrich, it's not, it's not a hechleti. It could be either way. The Rambam in his Sefer Ayad is talking specifically about what Mashiach has to do. But now that now that we are compelled because of the yud of Elon Israq to say that there's a later tukuf in Yemesh Mashiach and Mashiach's miracles, now what we gained is that all these Mamari Chazal, which give us a certain time frame for when Tchis Mesim is going to happen, now become upheld too. So the Rambam Sifraya now becomes Kaftar Referach with all the, with all the uh, descriptions of, uh, of Chazal. It goes perfectly. And we don't have to like kvetch and say this is the Moshe Vachid that we don't just, it becomes very clear. All the everything that's described in, uh, in Memorial Azal about when Tres Mesim can happen is correct. All the orders is correct. But then I'm not talking about it here because I'm only talking about the first kufa, not the second kufa. And that's the what the Rebbe is um, accomplishing here with the second kufa. Now, what we're left with is explaining, first of all, to see this Chidush of the Rebbe in the Lush of the Rambam, as well as how it fits in the Shas and the Teres Karinim. And also at the end, we're going to come to understanding what the Dramba mean in his letter, if we have a clear order and the Sefer Hayyad is not contradicting the orders given in, given in, given in Mamar um, Razal, then what does what the Dramba mean in his letter? And that we're going to get to uh, in the next year. But for now, we're going to look at Oisi Sifim Yud through Yudalit. That was basically going to explain um, how this. New Chiddush now explains all the Yonim in the Rambam. So let's see. Now we understand why at the beginning of Perek Yudbeis, Kaisiv, when the Rambam writes, that a person shouldn't think, anything in the world is going to change from the order, from the natural order as it is now. He doesn't bring any proof for this fact. As he does in an earlier time, in the earlier Perek. We'll look at the Hara in a second. Well, the Hara just tells us where it is in Perek Yedal of Lachagimel. The Lakach. So he doesn't bring a Raya here in Perek Yedbeis to the fact that Elam Kamhaginog, as he does in the previous Ois, the previous Perek in Perek Yedal whether he brings a raya that Mashiach doesn't have to do any miracle to prove his validity. This is the Lashon of the Rambam in Perek Yedalaf. Earlier we quoted Perek Yedbeis, in the beginning of the Sikha, now we're quoting Perek Yedalaf. This is the Rambam Lashon in Perek Yedalaf. 
Don't think that Mashiach has to do any miracles. Machadish for a boilerman has to renew anything or make any new novel things in the way the world runs. And Machai Mason or to revive the dead, who creates before a or anything like that. This is not the case. What's the Raya? We talked about this Raya earlier in one of the Shurim. And Rabbi Kiva was, one of the, was the greatest of the Chacham of Mishnah. He would carry the armory. He carried the armor. He was the, the, the sword bearer of Ben Kaziva, Bar Kachba. Hamelech was king, right? We talked about it. This is within a century after the destruction of the second base of Migdash. Uh, there was a number of rebellions trying to overthrow the Romans. And the most successful, the closest to being successful was the one of Bar Kachba. And Abakiva followed him. And Abakiva said, that is Mashiach. And everybody, him and all the other Chachamim, um, believed he was Mashiach. Until he was killed because of his sins. And once he was killed, they knew that he wasn't Mashiach. And the Chacham didn't ask him to do, prove himself by doing any miracles. It's the Chariah that you believe in Mashiach even without any miracles, because Rabbi Kiva did about, about Bar Kokhba until the point that he was killed. Footnote 67, which is really going to come up later, so but everyone mentions it now anyway. Now, therefore, the Rambam negates based on this halacha, the fact that the Rabbi Kiva followed Bar Kokhba without any proof of miracle. Maimar Azal, that which the Gemara says, Mashiach says about Mashiach that it means he's going to uh, judge based on a smell, a sense of smell. So the Gabbara said that, they, that the reason why they rejected, they actually killed Bar Kokhba is because he, didn't, he wasn't able to perform this miracle. But the Rambam is saying that's not the case. But he was killed because of, of sins. So that will be discussed later. But this is a discussion in the Rambam discussed this exactly with the Rambam's sources for this. And there seems to be conflicting uh, reports even within Chazal about exactly what happened with Bar Kokhba and Rakiva Bar Kapodim. The Rambam is of the opinion that they believed he was Mashiach even without him proving any miracles. And therefore, no reason. So this is proof that Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles. Now, in Pedrakid Bays, when the Rambam says that the world is not going to change, he does not bring a raya. So why does he bring a raya in Perikid Aleph when he says the Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles? Whereas in Perikid Beis, where he talks about that the world's not going to change, he doesn't bring an raya that the world's not going to change. Why doesn't he bring a raya? And this is another nuance in the Chiddush of the Rebbe. Till now, we understood that Perikid Aleph is talking about what Mashiach has to do. And Perikid Beis is talking about what the world's going to look like. Which is why I mentioned one of the earlier shooter that the big Shiloh is on Perikid Beis, not Perikid Aleph. Because Pedagogy Alpha, he talks about what Mashiach has to do, that the Rambam kind of addressed in his letter by saying, look, we're talking about what Mashiach has to do and what God has to do, that's his business. He'll do, he'll do it when he wants, how he wants. But in Pedagogy Bays, the Rambam doesn't discuss what Mashiach does. He discusses what the world is like, meaning how God's going to run the world. And there he does say that the world's going to continue as is. And therefore, there's this data, how come there's no miracles, as we see from Ulan Israq and Tchayas But now that we have two Tkufas, that means there is a time when Mashiach comes that there isn't any miracles, the first Kufa. And that's what's being described in Pedagogy Beis. 
and 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 that connects it back to Perakid Aleph, as we'll see now. So even though the two prokem are two separate issues, as we just mentioned, the Perakid Aleph is Malach Mashiach Atzma. In Perakid Aleph, he talks about Mashiach Atzma, what he's going to accomplish. And describing the manner in which he arrives. Perakid Beis doesn't talk about what Mashiach does, but it's but rather he talks about what the world's going to look like when Mashiach comes. So the raya for Perakid Aleph that Mashiach doesn't have to do any miracles is not a good enough raya for Perakid Beis where there it describes what the world looks like. And Lachora, the world is going to have change. There's going to be Tchesa Mason. But now that we see two Tkufas, we can say no. And I have a Perakid Beis that even in Perakid Beis we talk about the world going to be like Meduber, it's Matzav Oilam, Kavish, Kavish is a Koshor in B.S. Mashiach. That I'm describing what, what the world looks like, but the world as it's ushered in by the person Mashiach. So now what we're doing is the, the Rambam is splitting between what he's saying in Sefer Ayad, that he's talking about what Mashiach has to do. And that the other Mason and other things, that's what Hashem has to do. Like he writes in the Mason. So earlier we said, in one of the previous shirts, we said that this becomes a big problem because Perekid Beis talks about what the world has to do. But now that we're saying that there's a split in time, there's two Mason Mashiach. So now we can say that when the Rambam describes in the Geras Tchisa Mesim what God's going to do, well, first of all, God can do whatever he wants, and God might do miracles, but primarily it's going to happen in Tkufa Beis. Tkufa Aleph, which we are describing in, Hil- in, Hal- in Hilchus Mashiach, is vital connected to the Halachas of Mashiach. How is it connected to the Halachas of Mashiach if we're talking about the state of the world? What does the state of the world have to do with Halachas? Answer that I've been now saying that the Rambam is describing the state of the world as it is when Mashiach ushers in the world. So even this Pentecost base is Shaykh to Mashiach's coming, Mashiach the person, not to God's doing. But what's the Matzav Oilam when Mashiach arrives? In other words, like this. One could have said like this, Mashiach himself does not do miracles. But when he arrives, God should be doing miracles. And if God doesn't do miracles, then that means it's not the real Mashiach. And so the Rebbe says, no, because there's two Tkufas. And Takachu, Hashem is going to do miracles, but that's in a later Tkufa. And the earlier Tkufa, the world does not, God does not have to do miracles at that point. And therefore, the world that the Mashiach ushers in doesn't change, even though later God ushers in a separate era in which there are miracles. So even Pedicate Base, which is a description of the world, is a description of the world as it's ushered in by the person Mashiach prior to God changing the world in the second Tkufa. And therefore, Mela, Harayish, Pedicate Base, for the Raya that in Pedicate Base, the Gabi Melech Mashiach. With respect to the person Mashiach, that he doesn't have to do miracles, is just as is just as good. All it's equally good to prove the point with respect to Perikin Beis. With respect to the state of the world, as it's connected, as it's ushered in by the arrival of the person Mashiach, and amongst them is the world has to be as is. Shekane, because because if Mashiach's arrival. Even if he doesn't have to do miracles. But if the world must be in a state where it's miraculous, the chilip my sibadish and there's some change in the, in creation, and that would mean that this is the Indian of Mashiach, even if it's not something he has to accomplish, but it's something that has to be there when he arrives. Which would mean, therefore, that the arrival of Mashiach, it would mean that the arrival of Mashiach must include within a change in the world, even if he doesn't do it. Mashiach does accomplish uh, miracles, even if he himself is not performing them, but it has to be happening in the world when he's there. And if that's the case, and then that would be part of testing if he's actually Mashiach to see, did the world change? Did, did God do the miracles expected now? 
But now that we understand that there's two gufas and, and, and that Hashem's bringing of miracles happens at a later point, and at the beginning stages of Mashiach, when Mashiach himself ushers in that world, nothing changes in the world. Therefore, because the Rambam proved from Abakiva supporting Ben Bar Kokhba as Mashiach without asking for miracles. And this is a proof that Mashiach does not have to do any miracles. That means that in those state, that in the world, when Mashiach comes, there also isn't any change in the world. Because if that's the case, Rabbi Kiva would have asked, Where's the world? Where's the miracles in the world? Mainly, he didn't ask. Bar Kokhba, where are your miracles? Because Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles. But he should have asked the world or looked around the world, where are the miracles in, in the world? And the fact that Rebekah didn't do that means that when Mashiach, the person arrives, he doesn't have to do miracles, nor does the era he walks into have to have miracles. It's only later that miracles arrive. Hara 68. Now you'll remember from Hara 4, they told us to look up that which he wrote in, in his Hadran and Rambam, in the Lashon of the Rambam, the beginning of Hilchus Deus, that a person shouldn't think that God doesn't exist, because if he doesn't exist, nothing else can exist. And the Rebbe there explained that this Yalaladas, this expression Yalaladas, which means you shouldn't think, implies an Aliyah Badas, that you are having a better idea. What's the better idea that God doesn't exist, God forbid? But rather, the Rebbe explains their beautiful, very deep sicha, deep hadrin. Rebbe explains that the person is thinking that God transcends existence. Shahu, that he, God, is a non-existent existence. He's an existence that, tra that transcends existence. And don't think that says the Rambam, even though it's an aliyah badas, even though it's a higher understanding of God, because God, we're talking about God transcendence. Nonetheless, that can't be that a God is simply transcendent. Because otherwise the world can't exist, God must have condensed himself to be a matzah, to be a, an existence, to be an imminent existence invested in creation in the Malaklam. Okay. Now, if that's the case, Yaladas means it's a mistaken idea, but it's a elevation. It's a better way of thinking, even though it's mistaken. Now, if that's the case, in Pedicure days, why did I say Yaladas? Lachura, I just negate in Pedicate, I already just told you that the world's not going to change. And Mashiach, the person walks in, doesn't have to do miracles, which means the world he walks into also doesn't have miracles. So you already know from Pedicate Aleph that it's a wrong idea to think that there's going to be miracles in the world. So why again use this expression, that the world's not going to change? Where's the aliyah? Why would it be a good thing to think that even though Mashiach is doing the miracles, the world has, has miracles? We just finished saying it's not a good idea. So what's this expression, Ayalalev? If Ayalalev, as we said before, means an Aliyah Badas, a higher form of thinking. In other words, there's a higher form of thinking that Mashiach has to do miracles because it's a beautiful thing if Mashiach has to do miracles. It says that I'm no Elkumhaginog. But then Baiter, now you're making another mistake in Pedicure Bays, Yalalalev, that the world's going to have miracles. We just finished telling me it's a wrong idea, right? This is the Rebbe asks. This is, I think, what that question is. Even though it's going to say his question is based on order four, but I think that's the that's where the question is based on. And the words that have mash after the mask of the pedicure base al yalalalev by Mashiach Hulu. I that Rambam again says al yalalalev. How did it Because of the Rambam is precise in his language, and he didn't loy al yalaladas. He didn't say don't think in your mind. 
And like he said in Perakid Aleph, and like he said in Hapilchas Deus. But rather, the Rambam said, you shouldn't take it to heart. So we, so in Perakid Aleph, the mistake is, where I think, you know, maybe Mashiach has to do miracles. Good idea. It's not a foolish idea, but you're wrong. In Perakid Deus, even though I cognitively understand that Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles, but it comes into my heart that, you know what, maybe the world fort is going to have miracles. As in words. That you've already established in Perakid Aleph, from the Raya, from Barkopa, that Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles. So you know cognitively in your das, you know. Even in his knowledge, as much as he can possibly understand Mashiach, and if automatically you know what the world looks like when Mashiach arrives. And then that includes that Mashiach does not control and therefore doesn't change the nature of the world. You know that already from Perakid Aleph. But because, nonetheless, Emotionally, you still want there to be miracles. Because of the great love, because of the great yearning he has for the great Yaskal Yodam, for the great, uh, you know, Torah genius and the, the, the powerhouse of Mashiach, he, he, he's hoping Mashiach is going to have miracles. Never puts in the sources here, Yeshaya, the, the force of the, 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 the source of the Pasuk. And then he tells us to look at Rambam and as well as here in Hilkas Malachim, where both these places the Rambam describes Melech HaMashiach as a great Talmud Chacham. And in Shara Munaf Namur Mtsoi, where he also describes the level of, of Gilu Yatayra in Biznan HaMashiach, that's even higher than Moshe Rabbeinu. And in Biyuda Zoyar, where there it describes where exactly Natsilus, the Gilu comes from, and the Yaskal David Abdi. But because of his emotional attachment, the Mashiach's coming, he'll think, maybe still the world's going to have miracles. Now, this is such a beautiful Gishmaka thing. First, the horror for the Rebbe told us, you know, even though the Rambam tells us with, with good rayas that nothing in the world is going to change when Mashiach comes, it's still not like a foolish thing to, to think that Mashiach is going to do miracles. It's an Aliyah Badas. Wrong, but it's still an Aliyah Badas. And then the Rebbe goes even further here and says, even after you cognitively know that Mashiach doesn't have to do miracles, and therefore you cognitively know that the world is not going to have be, mirac- be in a miraculous state because he's going to walk into a world that's natural, but still it's an aliyah, it's a virtuous thing to have an emotional attachment to the desire of Mashiach that you want there to be miracles. And to me, it's Kabbalah. Kaponim in the footnote there tells us, even though there was Medayak in the Slashin of Yalalalev. Okay. So based on all the above, Perikid base which describes the world, not Mashiach's doing, means everything described in Perikid base is not a description of the totality of Mashiach, because there's a part of Mashiach, the second for which God does miracles, but it's only related to what the world looks like when Mashiach, the person, arrives, which is the beginning. This is Maris meaning to say, Trila, first, the Perekid Aleph, in Perekid Aleph, Navar, in Hadambam, the Rambam explains, Ma'awin Yonish al Mashiach. What is Mashiach's in you? Hamelech Mashiach, Asadamid, Lahazim, Alchis, Betolish, Yoishna, the Mashiach is going to restore the kingdom of David, live in Shalor Hashanah to the way it was, but it's a bit that she built a Mikdash, and the Kabbalah Tchisol, and gather all the Eden, and restore uh, Torah 
authority who Yavish name is the mitzvah of Torah will bring Shlemus in learning Torah as we learned. See, 70. That, of course, is Simon Aleph of Dvaramalchus, which no doubt we all learned here. So that's the first thing that I'm describes is what Mashiach himself has to accomplish. Restoring full service of Hashem. With the base of Mikdash, Eretz Yisrael, Shemitah, Yoyvo, Melech, Melech, Malchus, based on all of it. That's Perikid Aleph. Then he describes how the world is going to be parallel to that which Mashiach accomplished. As the Ramam concludes, that the world, that Yidin are going to be free to learn Torah and, and, and wisdom of Hashem. And so on. The occupation of the world will be nothing other than the knowledge of God. And therefore, Yidin. Will be great chachamim. The Iker, more important, the Shikim Mitzvah Satayra Hubaylam Kashem and Hagam. Right? Serving Hashem, if the point of Mashiach is coming is that we should be able to serve Hashem properly, this is something we talked about in the last year. But the Rambam's view is that Mashiach is just to bring a world to a state of, of no distraction, no, 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 no issues in the world. And we serve Hashem properly. Now, the proper way to serve Hashem is not in a state of miracles, but in a world that's normal, in a world that's natural. It's natural without distractions. And that's what I'm describing in Perikid Beis. That when Mashiach comes, he doesn't do miracles. And the world is such that the accomplishment Mashiach is trying to do, which is to restore proper service of Hashem, the world will be in such a matzah to fully accommodate that without changing anything in nature. Because that's how you properly serve Hashem in a world that doesn't change, na- that doesn't change nature. Now let's see Hara 72. Okay, so before we get to this, let's look at all these sources here so you understand what's going on. So the Gemara Yimun Yuma says like this, this is talking as Avni Ashoyam, etc. The Nesim brought the stones for the Chayshin and the Ephod. So Tana, we learned Nesim, that the Nesim means Mamish, literally Nesim. What's Pshat Nesim Mamish? Because, so it says Rashi, Nesim Mamish, Anonimoyim, Pasha clouds. The clouds brought these stones. It's a miraculous thing. These stones arrived for the Chayshin and the Ephod on clouds. And that's Takad the Targumyonis and Benazil. Taich is the Pasuk there. The clouds of heaven went to a place called Pishim Medali Metamun and brought from there. Yas Avni Barai Yishela. Yas Avni Ashlamosa. They brought these special stones. The Shaka Bay Fudo Khoshna to put in the Ephod in the Khoshin. Umachta and Yasin Bampe Midbara. And the clouds dropped them off in the desert. Azlin Rivan. Israel and the leaders of the people went. And then they went to the desert where they were where the clouds dropped off the stones and put them in. Okay, so my Aramaic is not that good. I got that from this Peter Shionison. Right? Because is actual Nasim. This deeper taich is that it's talking about Nasim Mamish. Means Nisim um, Mamish means clouds, and therefore the Pishayosin combines the two. That the Okay, so that's one touch that clouds bring um, the Ananiya carpet. Rabbi Nuhaya actually brings this Pshat plus another Pshat. So 
So let's look at the end of here. Let's look at my pointer. here. This is Yeshe Pirush. First, he, he, second, the second shot he brings is the is the miraculous shot. And they're able to do it. missing a yud, to elevate, right? The the, the um the clouds brought. In the first shot here. He brings the shot that Rashi brings, which I'll look at right here. Panasim heviyud, the pasuk is missing the yuds. So Amar Rabbi Nasim Maro, Nasim is not a bchanukas mizbeah, but chila malachas hamishkan loy is not a chila. So when it came to chanukas abayas after the mishkan is already standing and bringing the kabbonis, the Nasim were first. When it came to building the mishkan, the Nasim were last. This is what the Nasim said to himself. Let the community bring whatever they want, donate whatever they want to the mishkan. Whatever they're missing, all the mashlimun will fix up. Kivin chishlimun. But the community was so eager to donate to the Beit Mishkan that they covered all the costs. Like the Pasuk says, Genug, Moshe Ben said, you brought enough. So Amun Nesim, Malin Lassas, and Nesim said, what could we bring? They didn't already donate everything. He views Avnei Shoyam, so they brought Avnei Shoyam. And therefore, it's not the Tchila, if we came to Chimxim Azbeach, they were first because they were worried they wouldn't be able to do anything. Now, Lefishin is Atzlum Tchila because they didn't eagerly bring their donation first. They waited for all the Yidin to finish. Next in our Ois Misham, Mishmam, so they're missing a yud in the name. My nesim, see if it's missing the the word nesim is written without the yuds. So you have two pshatim in why the, it's missing a yud. One is not to elevate because the clouds miraculously brought them over. The other pshat is um, it means literally the nesim, but the name yud is missing because of because of um, because they were lazy and didn't bring their nedavis right away. They waited for yudin to finish, which they shouldn't have. Now let's go back to this. Let's see the first part of the order. was literally the Nesim. And the missing Yud, the missing Yud in their name is because they waited, they delayed bringing their donation until all the Eden were finished. And the other shot is that it means miraculously clouds. And then it gives us the sources for all these different Pedroshim, which we just saw. Then there's a second thing. That grain that falls from the sky. So what's the story here? Let's look up the Gemara Menachis and Rashi and Taisus there. Gemara says Menachis. Abzeda asks the following question. If grain fell from the, from the sky, from the clouds, what's the Allah? So says the Gemara Mai, what's Abzeda's question? If we're talking about carbon mincha, a grain offering, a mile, why not use it? It's grain. Who cares if it came from the sky or the ground? Allah, rather, and the rather, Rabbi is asking, can you use it for the Shdei on Shavuos? So my what's the So says the, so, so and this is the essence of Rabbi question. So what are the two, what's the two sides of the question? The Pasuk says, the Pasuk says that you have to bring grain for the Lechem on Shavuos. You have to bring it from your dwelling. What's your dwelling? In Eretz Yisrael. La fuke to exclude the chutzlorah. You can't bring grain from Eretz from outside of Eretz Yisrael for the shnei alecha. The law that you can't. Avo but the oven, if it's coming from the clouds, shapidomi, it's okay to bring to use it. So that's one way of understanding. When the Pasuk says to bring grain from your dwelling, it's coming to exclude bringing grain from outside of Eretz Yisrael. But if the grain came from the cloud, go ahead, use it for the shnei alecha. Oidilma, or other way of thinking about it is, you have to bring the grain from your from where you live, Dafka specifically. And therefore, anything that's not anything that's not from the land of Eretz Yisrael where you dwell, you cannot use. Even if it comes from cloud, you cannot use. Namilo, you also can't use it. And there's the study of Shalar Zeda. 
if grain fell from the sky, can you use it for the Shteh One side of the coin is, well, the Pasuk, the Pasuk clearly says you have to take it from Eretz Yisrael. But when it says that, doesn't mean excluding outside of Israel. But if it came from the clouds in Eretz Yisrael, it's all good. Or when the Pasuk says take it from where you dwell, it means literally from where you dwell from the land, not from outside of Eretz Yisrael, and not from the clouds. And there's this study of Shailah from of Rabzeda. And the Gemara asked, does such a thing exist? And the Gemara says, yes, there was a certain Arab uh, person whose whole land got covered in grain that fell from the sky. Right? Plus a parcel, yeah, three parcel wide and a land at a tefah high. A full tefah full of, full of grain fell down from the sky covering three parcel of his land. Okay, so the question is, how did these grains fall from the sky? What are they doing in the sky? What are they doing in the clouds? So to Taichin, how they got there. Rashi says, it came down in Mamata. It came down together with rain. That when it rained, in the rain came down grain. How did, how did it get there? So it says the Rashi, So when rain, you know, comes from uh, the water evaporating on the ocean, and that the, the ocean, the, the evaporation, the, the liquid rises to the heavens, there forms a cloud and drops down rain. So says Rashi, what happened was, it was such a strong pull of the, of, of, of the um, ocean's water evaporating to go up to, to become a cloud. It was such a strong pull that it actually pulled with it a full shipload of grain. And therefore the cloud had grain in it from that ship that it sucked up from the ocean. And then it rained down. So you see Rashi gives a natural, some, a, some sort of, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a very wild, theory that you don't see every day, but it's still a naturalistic explanation. That as the rain ascended, as the evaporation ascended, it dragged with it grain from grain that was in a boat in the ocean. So the grain itself is a miraculous. But Toysis rejects this pshat and says, um, if that's the case, then the grain came from outside of our soul and therefore you can't use it anyway. What's the difference if it happened to have gone to the clouds in the middle? And the answer is, it came down miraculously. So again, we have here two different areas in which there is a, and there says, boy, there are others, two different areas in which we have two ways of understanding how halacha is performed. The Avne Shayim, Avne Meloyim, for the Eifad and the Choshim, that come miraculously or not. Or number two, this grain that falls from the, from the clouds, which Rabbi Zayda is suggesting maybe could be used for Lechem upon him, is that, that miraculous to get there or by natural phenomenon? And Lahore that was putting this whole order here and telling us to take note of it because he was saying that the Iker service of Hashem is when there is Dafka natural phenomenon. And it would seem to me that in both cases, Rashi, who's the more postulous one, actually goes with the natural, natural explanation rather than the miraculous explanation. All to say that the world that Mashiach walks into, if his job is, as we described in Perakid Aleph, to restore full service of Hashem and Halacha, that world must be a naturalistic world. And if it comes pedicure days and says, the world's not gonna, not gonna change until later Tukufa, which is not our business in Sefer Ayat, when God will do miracles. Okay. And now that is, you know, we already answered the question here, but they're now explicitly answering the question. Now we can understand that Amab's attitude towards all the miracles that seem to imply there's gonna be literal change to nature. Anytime the Gemara 
or Tanakh talks about something that's going to happen in a world that's going to happen related to Mashiach, the person, Shuhu Yasa, that he will do, or that as a, even if he doesn't do it, but as a result of his arrival, these miracles are going to be there. The Rabbim has to say that that is a, is a metaphor. So anytime the Pasuk, the context of the Pasuk, the context of the Maimar Chazal, is not talking about what happens in the world whenever God does it, but it talks specifically about the time of the world when Mashiach arrives upon his arrival or what he himself has to do. Says the Rambam, that has to be literal. That, that has to be a mushal. Because it's when Mashiach arrives and his job is only to usher in a world that remains completely full of nature, but it's perfected in our service of Hashem. So any psukim or mamara chazad that are related to Mashiach himself or to the era in which he arrives must be a mushal and not changing the nature of the world. And that's why he quotes the Pasuk Gerizim Keves. And that's why he explains that Pasuk. Why? Because that Pasuk, because that comes in context of the Pasuk, which means earlier, the it's going to be a, 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 a the progeny of Yishai, meaning the, the line of David. So we're talking about the person of Mashiach. And because we're talking about the person of Mashiach, which is Yishai, the progeny of the, the, you know, the, 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 the line of Yishai, the father of King of David. So therefore, that must be must be Mashiach. In other words, if you find the Maimar Chazal, or you find the Pasuk, it's not talking about that, that isn't talking about what Mashiach does or what happens upon his arrival. And maybe it's literal because that could be talking about a later Tukufa. But if the Pasuk is talking about Mashiach's arrival or something Mashiach does, then it cannot be literal. It has to be, or if it's literal, it has to be not changing the natural order of the world because again, that's not Mashiach's job. That's God's job in a later Tukufa. And he says, And not only does he say it's a Mashal and when Mashiach comes to know what the Mashal is, but he says what the Mashal is going to be. And when it says means that Yidin will dwell securely with their neighbors. Even though he says, you know, anything else that the Pesukim say about Mashiach is a Marshal. He doesn't explain how it's a Marshal, what the Nimshal is. On the contrary, Messiah says, that when Mashiach comes, we'll know automatically what the Marshal was. So why does he even, in other words, the Rebbe is asking, why does he even tell us what the nimshal of, of Gerizim and Kevis? Why is it Negea? Just say, all the miracles, including Gerizim and Kevis, is a marshal, and when she comes to what the marshal is, why does it attach what the marshal of Gerizim and Kevis is? Why does it attach that? Because his intention here is to explain, this possible Gary's having kept which comes in the context of Mashiach's arrival, the person Mashiach, the boy Nanosh Mashiach, when they're talking about Mashiach himself, that anything to do with Mashiach's arrival is directly related to no distractions from Umas Olam, the male Yopunum of Chachmasi. In other words, the Rama wants us to know that the Rama wants us to know that whenever there's a marshal about Mashiach the person, it's always going to be related to the world in a state that doesn't distract us from serving Hashem. Whereas Mishalim, whereas prophecies, Yehudim, that are not about the person Mashiach, but about something Hashem does, well, maybe it's a marshal, maybe it's literal, and if it's literal, it's in a later to go from Mashiach, when Hashem does it. But if we're talking about what Mashiach himself, the person has to do, the marshal is always going to be related to the world being at peace so that we can serve Hashem properly. Which is why Yadav Petaychi is that one. And then goes on to say that when Mashiach comes, we'll know. And that, 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 then he goes on to say that other prophecies will figure it out when Mashiach comes, we'll know what the marshal is. 
He says, similarly, anything similar to this with respect to Mashiach, let be Moise Mashiach. Not that he says anything that talks about the era of Mashiach. Because things in the era of Mashiach in the second Tukufa are miraculous, are natural, are literal. But rather he says anything related to Mashiach, the person, hey, Mashallah. So this is all with respect to Pesukim and Mamar Chazal that are referring to Mashiach the person, not about the era of Mashiach or Yemoisa Mashiach. But when it comes to the Pesukim and Mamar Chazal, that aren't explicitly coming in context of the arrival of Mashiach the person, but they're talking about Stam, prophecies of what's going to happen in the future time. Including that which the Pesuk says, V'shapta Chayra Aretz. Where it's just a promise from Hashem as a reward for serving him. Doesn't say anything about Mashiach arrival. It's Hashem's promise. Okay, fine. So Hashem's promise, it could be literal in a later time. And likewise, Mamara Azahana. Likewise, the Teres Kainim and the Gemara mentioned before, that fruits that today are, are barren with bare fruit, they're literal. But that's not, that's not about Mashiach. That's the Inyan Yemoisa Mashiach. Hashem is going to reward us with these things when, when he wants to in a later Tkufa. It's within your Moshe Mashiach, because not Elam Haba yet. Elam Haba is a time when there's no physical world, it's souls without bodies. So it's in the Yemoshe Mashiach, but it's not Bias Mashiach. Bias Mashiach is the arrival of the world, the world as it is when, Hashem, when Mashiach ushers in, ushers in this new era of serving Hashem properly. That, anything related to that, Moshe Lechida. Must be, a, can't be literal, because the world Mashiach ushers in is not miraculous. But when Stam Hashem promises there's going to be miracles in the future, there will be miracles in the future after Mashiach's arrival, still within Yemoisa Mashiach, a second Kufa within Yemoisa Mashiach. Okay, R75. In order to understand this, let's again look at the sources that have a quotes here. Okay. The Gemara in Shabbos, where are we? Yeah, the Gemara in Shabbos is like this, that the Chachamim um, were thinking, it talks about the, the Chachamim uh, Goines, they, they suppressed certain books because they were it was spreading uh, misunderstanding about Hashem. And it says, the opposite from Mishli, Bikshu Lignois, they also wanted to suppress the book of Mishli. It's one of the books of Tanakh. They didn't want to ratify it as part of Tanakh. Why should it voice Because there are sukkim in Mishlei that contradict each other. So why did they not, I'm right over here, why did they not suppress it? Ami, they said, say for Kahelas, when it came to say for Kahelas, which also seems to have apparent contradictions. Did we not investigate and think deeper about, the, about Kahelas and see that it's sound logic? So Hachanami, same thing with Mishlei. Let's look into Mishli, let's discover it. Um, um, and we'll, uh, we'll come to conclusions and we'll resolve all the seeming contradictions. So says the Gemara, what are the apparent contradictions in Mishli? So he says, see, one Pasuk says, don't respond to a fool in his foolishness. Another Pasuk in Mishli says, respond to the fool with his foolishness. So do I respond to the fool with his foolishness or not? Says the Gemara, there's no contradiction. So that's an apparent contradiction which is a reason to maybe suppress the book because people are going to think it's foolish. So the Gemara, no, you can work at it, come to the, come to resolve all the contradictions. And how do we resolve that? By saying, when it comes to the words of Torah, then you do have to respond to the fool. But when it comes to matters of the world, 
we don't have to respond to the fool. Then the Gemara gives an example of what it means to respond to a, not to ignore a fool when he talks about Mila da Alma. Then the Gemara says, what does it mean that when it comes to you should respond to the fool? He says the Gemara, here's an example. He had the Asher Gamliel, Rebbe Gamliel, one sitting, and he said the following I see the Ishit Shetel and Bechal Yoim. Mashiach, in the future time, Mashiach comes, women are going to give birth in one day. Shinemar says, They're pregnant and they're giving birth at once or together. It's not Mamish, the literal shot in the Pasuk, but that's how we read, read the Pasuk. Says the Gemara, There's a thing to laugh at this. Omar, he said, the Pasuk says, Nothing new. What do you mean? All of a sudden, women are going to give birth in one day. On my legs, he said, it's not nothing new under the sun. I'm going to show you an example of this existing in our world. So Nafek, Rebbe Gamliel went out. He showed him a kind of a chicken, which every day lays an egg. So you see the idea of giving birth every day is not a new phenomenon. And that's going to be applied to women in a future time. Likewise, trees will eventually produce fruit in one day, unlike now that takes seasons. It'll bear uh, um, branches and oh, make fruit. Just like the branch grows every day, will also produce fruit every day. So again, the student laughed at this. The Apostle says nothing new is going to happen. So what do you mean all of a sudden our trees are going to produce fruit in one day? I'm going to show you an example of how this exists even now, where fruit is produced every day. He showed him a slaf. Slaf is a complicated fruit. Uh, it's often referred to as a caper, caper bush. I think that's the way it's translated nowadays. Gemara has a whole discussion in Basically, there's different parts of the fruit, different parts of the, this bush that you can eat. Like you can eat, there's a pea and there's a fruit and then there's like a branch and a leaf. There's a few different parts you can eat. And the point is, is you can always eat it. Not just, uh, you know, like most trees, there's only a certain season when it produces the fruit, now you can eat from that tree. But the slaf, you can always eat from it. So this is a dogma, this idea that trees are going to bear fruit every day. And then finally, the Suyos and Rabbi Gamliel again was sitting and explaining, I see that the Mashiach is going to come and produce ready-made, that Yisrael is going to produce, and Mashiach comes, ready-made uh, uh, delicacies and clothing, ready-made cloth for clothing. Shemar says, Yi pisas bar, baaretz. Pisas comes from the word, uh, cloth, and bar, uh, Rashi tells us it comes from a similar word to to uh, to cake go baked goods, and if the pasuk says it's going to be abundance of it, it means it's going to happen very quickly. You'll have cloth and cake goods. So says the Gemara. Again, the Talmud laughed at this. He said, "Nothing new happens." What do you mean? All of a sudden, the earth is going to produce ready-made ready-made delicacies and cloth. So again, the Gemara told the student. Come, I'm going to show you a dogma of this that already exists. He showed him uh, mushrooms that produce overnight and they're shaped like uh, like like uh, cake stuff. And with respect to um, cloth, ready-made cloth, he showed him the hearts of palm that have like this kind of uh, this kind of like wrapper around it. That's kind of like a clothing produced right away. Okay, so all to say that this is an example of said says the Gemara. This is an example of responding to a fool on his level. Rabbi Gamil is telling him there's gonna be major miracles. This guy's laughing at it because the Pasuk said nothing's gonna change. And he showed him that there already exists a main of all these nyanin and when Mashiach comes, it's gonna be taken to another level. So it says now the Rambam in Perish Mishnahis, which is his Agdom to Perich 
in the in Zagdama to the last Perek in Sanhedrin. And then there's Maidech in what's the theme of his? We've already seen this theme many times already. That the Rambam is uh, not two things actually. He's not a big fan of uh, chalking up everything as a miracle. Whenever he can explain thing a natural phenomenon, he does. We saw this in his letter to Gesatchis Mason. Likewise, we also learned this earlier that the Rambam, um, I don't want to say belittles, but he, he um, kind of basically says that, that physical existence is second rate. The real deal is to transcend. And therefore, the more distant you are from materialism, the better off you are. You, get, you climb higher and higher in intellectual understanding and attachment to God. So you finally become like a malach that's completely separated, you know, complete abstract, abstract understanding of Hashem without being attached to a body. You know, he goes on to say that even though Hashem wants us to be in a body, that's why we're here. But nonetheless, the ultimate is to be able to transcend the body and, and be attached to Hashem in the proper way, which is what Mashiach is, as he says here. Right, we're going to restore Malchus um, David, and um, all the people are going to be subject to his rule because he's going to be so powerful and so amazing. And and all the prophecies are talking about his success and our success. And nothing in this world is going to change, except that. Yidin will be sovereign people. This is a theme we've been seeing already from the Rambam a lot of times. Now, continues the Rambam. And at times of Mashiach, there will be Asirim, Asirim, wealthy people, Vavyonim, and poor people, Gibbardim, strong people, Chalushim, and weak people, just like we have today. But in those days, it's not a truth, it's going to be poor or rich people, but it's going to be very, very easy. For people to be able to survive, with very little effort, that a person will put in, Adam God will be able to achieve a great amount with very little amount of effort. Which, by the way, in parentheses, is mamish our days. You know, it used to be that a person wanted to make a living, had to break his back. And today, a person sits by a computer, does another couple, couple of clicks, buys and sells, and all of a sudden he has money and he can buy himself a house, buy himself a thing. Relatively speaking, we put in tiny amounts of effort for way more wealth. Then in previous generations, they put much more effort of backbreaking labor and they barely got a beautiful home that's air conditioned like we have. So even this description of Moisa Mashiach is literally happening today. You know, a few clicks, you make money, a few clicks, you buy something and you own a house before, before you know it. So it, it, it's pretty amazing. But anyway, now I'm saying that when Mashiach comes, no change in the natural phenomenon, it's just gonna be very, very easy to acquire what we need. And this, and this is what he, this is what the Gemara means when it says that when Mashiach, when Mashiach comes, Eretz Yisrael is going to produce ready-made goods and ready-made baked goods and ready-made clothing. Why? Because it's an expressionism that people say, when a person finds something that's ready and available, they say, the person found baked bread, the Tavshim of he found cooked food. Right. He found he found cooked food. So it's an expression, not that actually it's going to pr produce literally, literally produce uh, uh, um, ready-baked goods and clothing. But it's an expression to say that everything is available very easily. Right. And this is why. And this is why he got angry at a student. Right. The student who said nothing's going to change, and the teacher is telling him, "You missed the point." 
Of course, nothing's going to change. I'm using an expression to describe how easily it's going to be available. The student, who is legal level of the Gemara describes as laughing at Rabbi Gamaliel, the student misunderstood what Rabbi Gamaliel said, is what the Ramam is saying, and he thought that Rabbi Gamaliel meant literally there's going to be uh, beautiful cakes popping out of the ground. And therefore, he answered him on his level because he cannot understand metaphor. And therefore, he showed him uh, things in this world on his level where you know things grow very fast, like the like the um, the mushrooms. But it wasn't true. Because the pasuk we are talking about responding to a fool in his foolishness, right? So the charaya that it's actually not a real answer. It's just to kind of blow blow off the student who doesn't understand this is metaphor. Okay. Now I said there like this. So now let's see how this Rambam plays into the Rebbe's beer now. Now, Mashinam Kosim Bafirish Mishnayis, that which Rambam writes Bafirish Mishnayis, and Hedim Bakhtamul Perkilot, which we just saw, the Maimer Chazal, that which the Gemara says in Shabbos. I see there, it's Israel Shetetsiku, because the Gimelans, the Gamil said, that when Shia comes, the earth is going to produce ready made clothing and produce all kinds of all kinds of baked goods. Hapirush, the Rambam Taich, the Fish Bene Adam, Omrim, people say, as you know, expressionism. Kishim to Adam Dabuchin, the person finds something ready and ready-made, plenty of pasta for you with We say, oh, look, this person found ready-made bread. Not that he actually found ready-made bread, but that everything he needs, he found very easily. Because when Mashiach comes, we're going to have everything we need very easily. So it's a muscle, it's a metaphor, it's an expressionism. Not that actually they're going to produce uh, cakes. And therefore he goes on, the student didn't understand what the Begumliel was saying. And the student thought it was literal. And he answered him on his level showing him things in this world that, that, that grow very quickly. But it wasn't the real answer. So now the question is, that Ambam Taichi's and Gamaliel's statements are not literal, they're expressionism. Even though going with context, which is a big issue for the Rebbe, right? The whole premise for why the Rebbe is saying that the, the, the prophecy about the Ilona Israq producing food is literal because the Gemara's context is literal, right? So look at the context of this Gemara. What happens? Gamil said, okay, you don't believe me that Erzh is going to produce quickly? Come outside with me, and I'm going to show you um, um, mushrooms that grow very fast. So the fact that he's taking them outside and showing them something literal, the implication is it's literal. Because he's, in other words, the, what's the Gamil responding to? The student says, there's nothing new. You're right, nothing's new because this idea of growing things quickly already exists. Now, if that's the conversation, it sounds like it's literal. So why is the Rambam going and saying it's not literal? Right? So, the, at, 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 and this, and at least in the Gemara right now, you might say, right, so, uh, until the Rebbe came along, you would say it's not literal. Finished it. The Ram is being consistent. But since the Rebbe is insisting that when the Gemara in context is speaking literally, the Rambam also takes it literally, like the Israq, the one that says the same thing here. Now, based on what the Rebbe said now, that the Rambam must say that any prophecies related to Mashiach, the person, and related to the world where Mashiach arrives must be natural, because that's Mashiach's job. Mashiach's job is to restore Torah in the natural world. And only God does miracles in the second Kufr. Then now we have the answer. 
Yaakos, and he pieces Barbaret because the Posse can tell him that the Gemara quotes to say there's going to be abundance of clothing and food on the land. Which that Posse is where we learned, the Gemara learned that the earth is going to produce these, these, uh, these, um, these cakes and clothing, these, these delicacies and clothing. This continues in the Posse only in the same Perek. The Pasuk in Tillim is talking about Mashiach himself arrival. And if you're talking about Mashiach himself, we just finished saying that any prophecies related to Mashiach himself or something that's going to happen in the world upon Mashiach's coming must be, must be a natural phenomenon. And therefore, because this is unnatural, it must be a marshal. And that's what the Ramadan is compelled, even though the context of the Gemara is Literal, because the big Gamaliel says, come, let me look out, let me show you outside a phenomenon where there already exists things that grow very quickly. So it seems literal, but because the Pasuk from which we learned this prophecy is talking about Mashiach himself, the person, and we just conclude that Mashiach himself, the person, anything that he does or anything that comes upon his arrival must be metaphor. Therefore, the Ram is compelled to say it's metaphor. Things two of the other statements about from Gemara there that the women are going to give birth right away. What was it? Women are going to give birth right away, and um, trees to bear fruit in one day. Yeah. So those two says the Rebbe. Even though in all of these cases, Rabbi Gamil showed him natural phenomenon, which which makes it imply like it's literal because he's showing them literal things in this world. Nonetheless, the Ram is compelled to say that all those things are not literal. Because the Psukim quoted there are not talk, are all talk about what happens upon Mashiach's survival. And not just a description of what Hashem is going to do. It's actually a description of what the world looks like when Mashiach arrives. And therefore, the Ram is compelled, his arm is twisted, as it were, to take the Gemara out of its context and say it's a metaphor and say it's expressionism because. The psukim there are all talking about Mashiach, the person's accomplishments, and the world as it is when Mashiach arrives, and that must, must be natural as that we learned. Now we can go back to the difference between Teres Kainim and the Gemarim and the Ksubis. So you'll remember that the Rebbe pointed out in previous Shurim, when the Rebbe suggested two explanations for how Yilona Israq, uh, how the, the, the prophecy by Yilona Israq does not contradict the Rambam. And in both of those solutions, even though the Rebbe rejected the solutions, the Rebbe pointed out specific language and the difference between Teres and the Gemara Mitzvahs. And here they are. And, here, and we said then that those, even if the Rebbe rejects the explanation then, but the, the the diuk that Rebbe points out in the Gemara and Ksubis and Teres Kainim still remains true. Namely, those are the two unique features of Gemara and Ksubis. First of all, it talks about Ilan Esrak and Eretz Number two, that they will bear out fruit. Not that it's natural to them, but they will unnaturally bear out fruit. It's not natural to it. It's a unique feature. And Eretz Yisrael after. So this this is in the first Tukufa. Sha'az, according to then, according to this opinion of which is obviously not the Ramadan's opinion, 
Nam's opinion is that universally nothing changes until the second kufa. But this opinion in Shabbat says that even in the first kufa, Eretz Yisrael will unnaturally produce fruit. It uh, will unnaturally, um, sorry, Ilan Israq, barren trees in Eretz Yisrael will unnaturally produce fruit. But that's a unique mandamar. But Teres Kainim, Shikaisistam, Teres Kainim, which doesn't make these qualifiers, Yitnu, that's going to bear out fruit. It doesn't make this qualifier that's only in Eretz Yisrael. It just says, Stam, Afalan Israq, Asitim Lees, Asimpedes, that all barren trees will bear fruit. Shikaki, Ateva, Shil, Ilan is Elu. That this is going to be the natural state of all trees, not yitnu, bear out, but oisin, they'll make fruit, like every other tree makes fruit. So it's going to be natural, number one. And it's going to be an entire world, which means that that's an actual change in nature. So when do change in nature happen? This this happens in the second when a natural phenomenon begins, uh, unnatural phenomenon begins, miraculous phenomenon begins. This is going to be change and, and uh, Unnatural phenomenon, things that are not natural right now. Because we're changing the order of nature, there's going to be a new nature in the world. And this is something that Rambam can abide by. Which is interesting. This little, this little, um, this little if tells us that the Rambam is actually only taking the view of the Teres I think. I, I don't think that Rambam could be taking the Gemara and Silvus, because they've already rejected, rejected the idea of splitting between Eretzisrael and Eretzisrael and Adam no change in nature means no change in nature universally. Moreover, if in Eretz there's a change in nature, they've pointed this out, then they should have gone to Bar, the Rebekiva should have gone to Bar Kokhba and say, where are the trees bearing fruit, right? So it must be that the Gemara and Teres the Gemara and Teres are definitely arguing. They are arguing, never pointed that out before because there's change in, in Eretz versus everywhere in the world, be Yitnu versus Oise. And therefore, then I'm going with Teres And therefore, the Teres Kodim, which describes Elon Israq producing fruit um, naturally, which is a complete change in nature, is talking about the second Tukufa. And therefore, all the other miracles described in the Teres Kodim, which we looked up in the previous year, also talk about the second Tukufa. Now, now that I've explicitly answered this earlier, one of his earlier questions, the, the, the question from the Lecha Mishnah. Right? The Lecha Mishnah asked um, that there's a study in the Rambam. I was about to say, a piece of movement changed the Rambam. Now we see that there's no study either. The Rambam writes that nothing, he paskins like Shmuel, which says that this world and the next and Mashiach's time are all the same, other than uh, we have freedom and we have Malchus based we have the sovereignty where we have no distractions from, from other nations. And yet, the Rambam paskins that you are not allowed to carry uh, weaponry on Shabbos. Because weaponry is gnai, is derogatory. Why is it derogatory? Because when Mashiach comes, it's not going to be useful anymore, which is what the Chachamim said. Whereas Shmuel said, the world's not going to change. So according to Shmuel, you should be allowed to carry, um, you should be allowed to carry weaponry on Shabbos because it's never going to be in his battle. Even when Mashiach comes, you're still going to have weaponry. So it's a stira. Rambam Paskin that nothing's going to change in the world to come. And yet he says, you're, you're not allowed to carry weaponry. The fact that you're not allowed to carry weaponry is predicated on the fact that we no longer need it when Mashiach comes. When the Chorik, nothing changes, we still need it, like Shmuel says. But now we have the answer. Because when the Rambam said nothing's going to change and we're still going to need weaponry, Shekoyal, Kufrashoni, the Mashiach. Let's talk about the first decade, the first era of Mashiach. When Mashiach, when Mashiach himself, the person ushers in this world where we can serve Hashem properly, 
ushers in this era when we consider Hashem properly, where the natural world stays as it is, and we're still going to need weaponry. And therefore, it doesn't contradict the fact that Psaqs are calling to be the other Mashiach, and it still means that all the prophecies, which is the other question of the Lecha Mishnah, that all the prophecies are not talking about Adam Haba, but actually Yemaisa Mashiach. Right? We said, remember from the pre we said, that if you possibly like Shmuel, that this world and Yemaisa Mashiach, nothing changes, then where are the prophecies of all the things that the prophets have said? It's in Adam Haba. And if you put their prophecies in Yemaisa Mashiach, that means you think that the world is going to change. Now we have the answer. You can say both. The world's not going to change in the first kufa, and in the second kufa, but is neshamus al kufin beyond anything that's possibly describable. But all the descriptions of miracles that's talking about Mashiach, but in the second kufa, Mashiach, and therefore back to the back to the issue of carrying weaponry. Now we answer the other question of the lecha mishnah that a person is not allowed to carry weaponry on Shabbos, and if he does. Why the apostle the chitzchuk chaber he says I'm like eating the apostle which says you're going to make your swords into plowsheds which means we're no longer going to need weaponry. Shakaya does not say why she lost love. We're talking about the world in Mashiach's time, which the means there is going to be a change in the world. Let me that I'm a computer. I'm just talking. There's going to be a time when you won't need weaponry. But let me that I'm marshal about not just a marshal like the Gemara suggested according to the other opinion. It's a marshal of like Yisigo. Um, no, I'm sorry. Put that aside. Sorry. But that's not whatever the marshal might be. But it's literally, there's not going to be any use for weaponry. But in the first kufa, there will be use for weaponry. And this is a yukuyim, but kufa yusim mukhez, but mashiach. This is the second kufa in Yemais mashiach, when taka, there's not going to be any weaponry. And Yoshif is the Yemais kufa, because at a later time, shalagula, even though it's a later time in Yemais mashiach, but still, because within Yemais mashiach, before we get to Elam Haba, where there's Nishamas Balay Gufim, but within Elam Haza, which within Elam Hazah slash Yemoysa Mashiach, the end of Elam Hazah, Yemoysa Mashiach in second Tukufa, there's not going to be any weaponry anymore. That means Klizayan is Gnai, is a derogatory thing to wear. It's not jewelry, and therefore no carrying it, even though during the first Kufa we'll still need it. Okay, why would we need it in the first Kufa? If, if we just said that in the first Kufa of Yemoysa Mashiach, even in the first Kufa, the whole of the, of the first Kufa, there was peace. There's no distractions from the world around us. That's the whole point of the first kufa. So why would we need why would we need weaponry there? Now the truth is, it's not just a question on the Rambam. It's a question on Shmuel also. Shmuel says, Okay, so you might say that the sword is needed to uphold Shibim Malchias. Right? But, we, but the Rambam says, which means legit you don't need these swords. So even the first kufa, you shouldn't need swords, according to the Rambam. Says the Rebbe, why in Haras 76, why you still need weaponry in the first Kufa? But in the first Kufa, even though there's not going to be any hunger, no war, nonetheless, it doesn't mean it's not going to be any need at all for weaponry. Because the Rebbe writes there that there's be plenty in this world, that's why therefore there won't be any war and hunger, the war and hunger. The reason why there's no war, says that I'm, says basically says that I'm, it's not because, um, you know, the world's naturally going to change and no one cares for war, but because there's not going to be any need for war, because everybody has what they need. Not because people aren't going to stop caring for war. And therefore, there's no reason that they should get rid of their, their swords. They still have it. It's just technically right now, because there's so much and there's so, such abundance, you don't have war. 
which by the way, notwithstanding the fact that we see wars all over the world, on a graph of history, we have way less wars than we ever had in the history before. And the reason is simply because Canada and the US aren't going to war because we have everything we need, you have everything you need. What's the point of going to a war? It's only other countries that don't have what they need that start fighting. But when they will have what they need, there's no reason to, to, to have wars anymore, which is why we have much less wars today than we had in, in past history. You know, I'm not a historian, but this, this, this is a reality so far as I know. And then there are ads, lawyer, should note that there is such an union in weaponry, even when there is no war. So first of all, so there is no such thing as war with oil. But the union of war still exists. It's just technically people won't need war because they'll have everything they need. But because the teva of war still exists, therefore it's still going to be smart to keep your weaponry just in case uh, some nation decides to attack the Eden, we'll be strong enough to, to fight them back, which is actually what the Rambam wrote in that uh, Pirish Mishnayis. He writes here, that Mashiach will be great, and he's going to compel everybody to follow him. And Mishiach, all the enemies, can start up with this King Mashiach. Hashem will put him down and hand him in his hands, meaning Mashiach will go to war to defend the Jewish people, even after Mashiach's coming. But he's going to win, which means there certainly is going to be the need for, for uh, weaponry, even if technically there won't be war because everybody's going to have what they need. But should someone decide to start up, we have our weapons and we'll fight them off. F-ship. Number two, if it says Lahoyer, you should note, this is a Pasuk in Shmuel days, where there, this is before, uh, after Shaul dies, uh, sorry, there, there's the, 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 this is the beginning of the fight between David's people and Shaul's people. Um, uh, what is it? Shmoishes, uh, right? I think that's what it is. In fact, my memory, my memory is failing me. But basically, it's, it, it, David Melech is in Hebron, and it's the beginning of there's the beginning of a rift, and Abner's people from Shaul's side and Yoyo's people from David's side meet somewhere, and they say, "Let's uh, have a game. Now let's play sword. The with weaponry, head of swords, a boyfriend but do it in such a way that they're having a good time, just you know, playing. And um, and let's see who's better at uh, at uh, at weaponry at at, at sorting." You know, sword fighting. And Lepoil actually was actually murdered. They actually all died and that, that, sparked, that started a war. But they were not expecting Muhammad, which it says there. And then there tells us to look in Kalim, so we'll look at both of those. So it says, that's Leimar. He's got a Muhammad, Ela let them play war with each other. They're and just a fun kind of game. Let's see who's better at, 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 at fighting. Not that we actually want them to fight, but the Poyal, there was a fight and they died. All 12, I think 12 from each side, who actually uh, they killed each other, they all died and started a war between David's people and, and Shaul's people. Okay, then they tell us to look in Mesech Tekelem, where this idea of weaponry that's meant for play actually has a lot of ramification. Now, look, Gemara says, the Mishnah says in Zechta Kalim Perikachavdalit, three types of shields. Trisa Kafaf, a bent shield. What's that? Says the, uh, this is a Barbin, uh, sorry, the Bartonura. Trisa Kafaf, like those we have here. Shemakimis Adam, Shalashachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachachach
level of tumah called tumas medirah, which is basically for things that you would sit upon. Why? The asal shchiva says the partner. People use it to rest on it. Okay. Then there is that's one type of of uh, shield. A shield is bent where people sit on it. Then there is and that which they play in, like like the like the gladiators, They're not gladiators. Not gladiators, because that's the death. And here it's just the play. Like the Bible says, people come into the field of the king. Each one has a sword. Torah's cut an ogle and each have a small little round shield. She ain't a coffin, it's not bent, it's just a straight circle, a disc. The other smallest in the left hand, so that right hand sword, left hand the shield. And they, they, they practice and learn how to shield themselves from the sword of their fellow. So it's not something that they do to actually kill, but just to play. And this is not Tommy to Miss Midras, but Tommy Mess, because you don't actually let rest on it. The other one, the bent one, you rest on it. This one, you don't rest on it. And furthermore, Vitita Saravayim, then there is the shield of the Arabs, says the Bakner uh, again. Tardis, oops, sorry. Tardis cut the it's a small little shield, Sharabayim, that the Arabians use. The Ditsa, the Simcha, they use it to dance, to, 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 make, to, to make play, to put on shows. And it's of no use at all. And therefore, Tardim Maklum, it's Tardim, it's not a Kaili, it's just like a Tachshit. So here you see in Halacha this idea of Klizayim that are not necessarily from Mohamma. Okay, so the, at this point, we basically answered all the other questions. The Teres Koinim, the Gemara and Shabbos, the Rambam Perek Dalev, Perek We still have to get to, Jeremy's going to delve deeper into the Gemara, going to get to the opinions of Chibarav and Chibarav and Shmuel, but and they're going to do a little comparison to the Gerith Chiesam Besim. And all that is going to become much more beautiful as we go along.